Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at divine providence and how everything <laughs> is run. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host. With me, again as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey Curtis. Uh, and uh, great hanging out with you. And if you guys wouldn't mind, please like and subscribe, which is critical to us getting where we need to go. Click the bell if you subscribe. These are the things that matter. Hit the like button. We need to go above 182. So we're continuing our series here. <laughs> we're continuing our series on the nature of everything. Yes, right. Which is a Swedenborgian luxury that you can go through and talk about every single thing yeah. that ever was. And before we get into why life is the way it is, why bad things happen, everything in between, let's warm up because we, it's hard to go from where we are now to, mm. to such lofty topics. Let's start thinking spiritually. And you in the chat room, we want to hear the same thing from you and you at home afterwards in the comments. So let's get ready to answer a question. And I know that some people wish we would, in these questions, be a little more gritty, a little more raw, but you gotta understand that we've gotta ask things that are relatively benign and aren't too invasive into your personal life. So today, the question we're gonna ask is just a nice watered down. What is an evil love that you have chosen to reject in your life? <laughs> <laughs> and why would we be asking this question in an episode about divine providence, that's a hint yeah. as to what it is. How and does that fit in? What's up with this evil love? Well, in Swedenborgian mm. terms, a love is a desire for something. You can want something that's not good, and in that case, it's an evil love. So yeah, that's right. Just just off offhand, what is? And all of you in the chat room, get your answers in there because we'd love to hear what spiritual battles are you fighting? How are you trying to use principles to improve your life? At the end, we'll put. Be careful because if you put it up there, we'll put your name up at the end, and we'll hear from everybody. <laughs> so, what, but hit, hit me with something. <clears throat> well, uh, the word reject is really interesting in there yeah, to right. me because there's kind of two categories in my mind. Uh, one would be just things where. You know, Swedenborg says that we're all born uh, generally preferring ourselves over God, like loving yeah. ourselves more than we love God, loving money and wealth and worldly things more Stuff than we love awesome. our neighbor. Yeah. And uh, but that's just more of a priority. It's not like you reject yourself. Yes. You just try to get that in the right spot. So there's certain things that I think are relatively innocuous. But then there's other stuff that really has, over the years, to me, felt like sometimes there's just some evil presence yeah. that is suggesting something so heinous, so clearly wrong, yeah. you know what I mean? That that's definitely like a reject situation. Those are things of, of violence, yeah. uh, sexual insanity, yeah. um, things that have to do with like worshiping yourself as a god or yeah. wanting to just dominate over people to have your pleasure at others' yeah. expense or whatever it is. And those kind of things, uh, sometimes you're in a, in a bad state and they yeah. have some access to you. And so I like try to shove that stuff out to the trash. Or almost almost like, like out of character. Like I would, I would never think yeah, that, but yeah, this is like, in my like, head somewhere. I wonder sometimes, honestly, whether they are sort of like gambling and they think, well, this is sort of a long shot. Yeah. But some people like to, you know, it's 150 yeah. to one on this horse, but like, yeah. hey, if you win, you win big. So, you know. Yeah. What, what's the over under on getting Jonathan to poke Curtis in the eyes right yeah, now? Yeah, that's right. And I want to say that, that that word reject is interesting as well, because you know, there's stuff that I chose, I felt like, yeah, I want to get rid of that, but I'm making no progress. That that would be things like, oh man, I had like when getting really uh, upset or rageful when 
like a- meaningless accidents happen. I had an episode about news from heaven recently. I'm trying to play these principles, but I can still, or if the, the dog and cat continually is disobeying my will, <laughs> it's very hard not to get triggered by that. But something that I feel like uh, I did have some success with, and this was not something I was particularly, pro- particularly prone to, so it wasn't that big a struggle, but I do remember consciously doing it for, for these principles was uh, gossip. Not, not, nice. not talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about people right. behind their back in a, and just for the fun of being degrading. Like there yeah, was definitely, right. it's not that I won't, if I feel like somebody's doing something harmful or is causing problems, it's not that I won't speak negatively about the, that person right. or other people that I feel like I can do something, but just, hey, let's, let's think about their misfortunes or their failings or something. I did, from Swedenborg, learn that that's the, the killing commandment. You're killing somebody's reputation, yeah, so right. I can't do it. So that was, it wasn't something, like I said, that I was really prone to, so it wasn't a hard battle, but it was a little teeny battle that I did, man. I think. I mean, it's not like I'm perfect at it, but I do it less than I would. Yeah, yeah, and I think it is the really clearly evil ones that are easier to reject. The other ones are kind of confusing because yeah. I don't know. Is this good? Is this bad? Yeah. You know, trying to sort it out. With all that said, I'd we'll love to see what kind of feedback we get on this one. So put it out there. We'll see, uh, see what we get on the other side. Okay, we did that. Now it's time to move on to talking about divine providence. As we said, we are covering everything in life. And we were trying to think, how do you do that? And we thought, well, Swedenborg had a system for covering everything in life. He published a series of books, and we want to take you through that book series. Mm. Wait, some people don't, don't want to have like a you know, book, book club. Book club. Right. But this, knowing the, the, the packaging that these ideas came in and knowing the, the order and, and purpose of all that really helped me understand it better. And also, we're going to get deeply into the ideas in the book. So it's just a way to categorize information as well. All that said, enough hedging. What are we, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I mean, there's sort of a tendency to, uh, amongst people, when you get to a certain level with Swedenborg, then you're kind of eating it, everything in sight. Yeah. And then you're not really noticing, did, did this come from this book or that book or whatever? And it's interesting to go to the next level and start to see, oh, this is where you find this cool stuff. And yeah. That's where you find this cool stuff. So what we're doing is we're doing divine providence. And uh, Portable, this is a very cool... Deluxe. Very cool book. Let's see if I can get that to show up yeah. properly. Go to Swedenborg.com. You can download this for free in PDF form. I don't know if you can see there are like hands holding the world. That's and right. It's a cool image in that deluxe paperback. And the long title of the work is Angelic Wisdom About Divine Providence. So Angelic Wisdom About yeah. Divine Providence. Dr- drawn right out of the, the angels' minds. Mm. So what's the headline? If we were to describe this book to somebody, what's it about? I sort of think um, like what God takes care of and what you need to take care of. What? Yeah. No, that's right. There, there is this fascinating distinction in there that it's one of the headlines is how everything is run. This is, this is what's going on and, and within there subheading why evil is allowed to exist, why war is allowed to happen. But really, that's not the entirety of the book. There's this whole deep current in there of here's how you got to act. And that's why yeah. we had that crazy question to start about shunning yeah, evil. Yeah, why would things. we have a question about that? And then 
looking at divine providence. Right? That's exactly what you're going to run into if you get into divine providence. He's talking all about that, right? So let's take a look. If we were to open this up, we'll find this illustrated in our What's In It section. In mm. the table of contents, you can see exactly what we're talking about. So here's your nice PDF if you've downloaded it. So you do have things where, like, let's take a look at the first section 11, divine providence focuses on eternal matters and focuses on temporal matters only as they coincide with eternal ones. That's about the governance of God for the whole universe. And a very cool point. Yeah, but then <coughs> you get, and you do get, and you see in 14, evils are permitted for a purpose, salvation, so why is there evil? But, That's right. But then, like, take a look at 16. Divine providence does not charge us with anything good or credit us with any, or anything evil or credit us with anything good. Rather, our own prudence claims both. So that's more about our reaction and how we should or shouldn't react to things. So you get kind of a combination in here. That's right. And there are 18 chapters in the work. And so uh, here you see sort of the, th the last the third midst. of the work almost yeah. there or something okay. like that. Because they're somewhat larger chapters than in, yeah. in some of his other books. And... Um, uh, you do get that swing from sort of the really deep, and I think some, some people don't understand uh, from the title what it's about. Like Heaven and Hell, you sort of know what that book's about. And Divine Love and Wisdom, you have a good idea what it's about. But Divine Providence, you wouldn't think, oh, that's probably a self-help book. That's probably going to tell me how to yeah. be a better person. You know, you just wouldn't think that. Mm -mm. But that's actually a lot of what's in there. Well, why? I think let's take a look next at why. Like, why if, okay. is he putting this book out, and how does it fit into his release timeline? Can that give us more of a sense of why it was composed like it was? Yeah. Well, this one we've been working our way through chronologically. If yeah. you've seen previous episodes, and you should. here's the publication timeline. There's Divine Providence, which is in 1764. Now, last time we talked about Divine Love and Wisdom, which was published in 1763. Companion. And these are definitely kind of a companion pair of works. Swedenborg even saw them, which is like how that works, I don't yeah. know, in the spiritual world, bound together as a single volume, Divine pa Love and Wisdom and Divine Providence. Pause. Did you hear that? So he saw his books that he was going to be writing in the spiritual in world the spiritual and world. saw the format. So somehow, is he writing them or is, is he just... Is there some dual publication thing? I, I don't know how that works, but it's very interesting. And, um, and so this was the only book that he published in 1764, but there was a whole bunch that just came out in 1763. Yeah. Okay. So let's now start to dive into what you find in this book and okay. why I love the book and why mm. I feel like it's a source of a lot of good material for us. Let's play a little game we call First and Last. So how do you start a book about how God runs everything? What, what, how does he open this thing up? Well, the act... The absolute beginning is kind of a, you know how some shows will show you previously on what you were. Sweden Morgan Life. Uh, yeah, that's right. And so it does previously on what I've published. He gives a little summary of Divine Love Wisdom. Yeah. And then he says, and the heading is, Divine Providence is the form of government exercised by the Lord's Divine Love and Wisdom. Definition. And he explains here in number two. The way the Lord's divine love and wisdom look after us is what we call divine providence. So that's the connection with yeah. divine love and wisdom is that, oh, there's divine love and wisdom. So in divine love and wisdom, we're sort of looking up at the universe and it's, ah, oh, you know. But here it's like, oh, this is exactly how that cares for us and what the rules are. And yeah, stuff, you know? and how it looks after us, although there is a lot of 
morality teaching in the book, the, the core message of it, the way in which God is looking after us, is the best news you could ever get. Yeah, and true. So how do you wrap up a book like that? Some inspirational ending. Actually, the last section is called No Instant Salvation. No Instant Salvation. And it's him railing against the church mm. of his day, which was preaching this idea of faith alone. And if you deathbed confessions or you confess right. Jesus as your Savior, you're instantly changed into a being that it can be saved and taken to heaven even if before you weren't. And he's saying... So some people could even kind of play this game to try to... See how late, yeah. you know, like brinkmanship. <laughs> yeah, on the, on the other side. How close to death, like you're within half an hour. Uh -huh. What do you think? Shall yeah. I go now or yeah. something? You know? Johnny and, was seven seconds before he kicked the bucket. Yeah, He's right. the best angel. Uh, and <laughs> what he's saying is, throughout this whole book, I have described to you that the way that God runs the universe is orderly and it's structured and it is the best configuration that there can be. So you can't just circumvent it. And if you could, if God really could just snap and change people at, on a whim, then the fact that he's not doing that this very second means he's out of his mind, because of course why, he would. Why not do it when you're 15 minutes old or something? Yeah. Like, why wait? Or, or just do it before everybody was born. Yeah, so right. he's saying, listen, that you guys teaching that you can just change who you are, that, that, what you that freedom doesn't matter, that what you love isn't what becomes a part of you, that you can just be assigned to nature by mm. God any time, that's a problem. That's actually destroying the church. He's going on and on about it, and oh, that's yeah. the end. But that's not really the end. Oh. Because there is this fascinating little coda or postscript which, in which he begins by saying, forgive me for adding the following to fill out the rest of the page. And what, why would he ask you to forgive him? And why would he, it almost <laughs> sounds like he's filling out the page against his will. Well, in a show we did. Like he's got blank paper. It sort of yeah. costs a lot back then. So right. Like, okay, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll write something else, but I'm, you know, yeah. take it or leave it. So what, what ensues is a fascinating conversation that he has. And we actually animated this for a show we published like five years ago on this channel. Mm. So here is how the book, and we were saying, Divine Love and Wisdom has the best opening probably of any Swedenborg book I think this one has the best ending yeah, of any Swedenborg book. And let's hear it, uh, the tale told dramatically. This is how the book ends. Forgive me for adding the following to fill out the rest of the page. By special permission, some spirits came up from hell and said to me, you've written a great deal that the Lord has given you. Write something from us as well. I answered, what should I write? They said, write that every spirit, whether good or evil, has his or her own delight a delight in goodness for the good, and a delight in evil for the evil. I asked, what's your delight? They said that it was a delight in adultery, theft, fraud, and lying. I said, and do you find them pleasant? They said that they were absolutely delightful. I said, what else do you want me to write? They said, write this, that we are allowed to live in our own delights, no matter how filthy they are, as some would say, as long as we do not harass good spirits and angels. But since we cannot help harassing them, we're driven off and cast into hell. I said, why do you harass good people? They answered that they couldn't help it. It was as though a rage came over them when they saw angels and sensed the divine aura around them. I said, this makes you like wild animals. When they heard this, a rage came over them that looked like blazing hatred. And to prevent them from doing any harm, they were taken back into hell. 
I could talk forever about that. It's not only is it this, this memorable occurrence stuck in there, but also it's this amazing description of the nature of hell. That these spirits are not coming out saying, we're so sorry that we're in hell. Please forgive us. We're tortured every day here. There's, or there's been a horrible mistake. I'm yeah. innocent. Or yeah. yeah. They're, right. they're, they're basically saying, you guys are suckers for doing the heaven thing. This is better. So that is an amazing way to end the book. And the, what makes them so angry is that he agrees with them. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't, doesn't like it. So right. that said, that's not that representative of the nature of the content in the book. So instead, let's go to our three bites section where we're going to dive deep into what makes divine providence go. Mm. And try to give you the, the breadth of the thing, but again, like with divine love and wisdom, the, the subject material is so crucial and so broad that it's pretty amazing that you can get any kind of summary of it. That's right. I think we've got to start with a good, another, more, maybe a little more expansive definition of divine providence. Okay, yep, yep. This is from 207. Where divine providence comes from and what it is. There's your headline. There's right? your headline. Okay. It is divinity working among us, banishing our love for ourselves. Mm. Right there, we've got, a, we've got newsworthy developments. That's right. And it might be worth saying that the love for ourselves is not talking about having a warm oh. bath at the end of a tough day. Yeah. He's talking about wanting to rule the universe. You know, uh, I keep forgetting right. that, that you always have to explain that with Swedenborg. Because that, he uses that in a completely opposite direction than the self-care, self-esteem. Self-care, that's right. Love for ourselves, yeah, is being... Uh, sort, sort of a titan and everybody else are these little yeah. ants at your feet. You know, kind you of know it when that. you have it. You know when you see other yeah, people right. on these shows about an insane greed. And, yeah, so yeah, right. with the, the, anyway, that thing, that the, which the basis of it is, I want to put myself above you, is so, such a problem that what divine providence is doing is trying to get rid of it. It's that against God, which is that's so, the story. So kind, isn't it? So yeah, nice. Try to take care of that little love of self problem. As already noted, love for ourselves is the devil. Wow. No offense. He does equate the love for the self, meaning the, uh, which he says that's the root of everything that we that's would call the real evil. source. And its cravings and their pleasures are the evils of its kingdom, hell. Pleasures, and I will stop, t I will try to get through a few sentences after this, but pleasures meaning <laughs> it's, you know, being evil often gives you the thrill of evil. There's a delight, yeah. Revenge, uh, you, when you have road rage, all this stuff. People aren't doing it because they hate the sensation. Or getting somebody to do your will by whatever yeah. manipulation or yeah. whatever, yeah. Okay. It's so well, fun. That And that very joy is hell. Once this has been banished, the Lord comes in with impulses of love for our neighbor. So in the spaces that we open up, he opens the skylights. Oh, I like this imagery. And then the windows in our walls and enables us to see that heaven is real. Oh, nice. That there is a life after mm. death and that there is eternal happiness. Wow. And funny that that stuff, the knowledge of even that stuff is blocked off. It's blocked off. By love itself. When you're on this other ego trip thing. As I am right now. By the spiritual <laughs> light and the spiritual love that then flow in together, he enables us to recognize that through his divine providence, God is taking care of everything. Mm. That's sweet. And I wonder whether we sort of dip in and out of that state. Like in some yeah. states, you can tell more than in other states. Or, you know, we sort of 
yeah. dip in and out of that. Through his divine providence, God is taking care of everything. That's the, that could be the headline yeah. of the book. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a Remember good, that good headline. Remember that when you're in your darkest place and you're surrounded by the most fear and the most f feeling the most crushed, God is taking care of everything and every little mental detail, everything. And a crucial piece of that, because everybody has wondered forever and it hasn't gone out of style yet, yeah. why do all these bad things happen? Why is there violence? Why are innocent people hurt? Yeah. Why is there craziness and mayhem and madness? And I was wondering that Friday morning. So. Why, why do people, you know, people can plot or, you know, like, you know, scamming the elderly or whatever, you know, like, yeah. why is that allowed to go on? Well, uh, Divine Providence talks about a way that the Lord is able to bring good out of evil. So evil is actually useful. It's allowed because it's useful. In the end. He talks about this in Divine Providence 21 and 26. The Lord's divine providence works things out. Who knows how? Right. It works things out so that what is both evil and false promotes balance, comparison, and purification, which means that it promotes the union of what is good and true in others. It That's actually helps others. Yeah. And sometimes when you see something so bad, you think, oh, you want to distance yourself from that. You know, it's helping well, you. And that you can, you can see that on a big scale that we'll all refer back to tra uh, tragedies and acts of war in the past and right. say, we don't want to go down the slope to being like that again. That once you see it, it can be removed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. These useful functions are provided by the Lord through the union of what is evil and false that prevails among people in hell. Since the Lord's rule, meaning his governance or something, which is not only over heaven, but also over hell. And that's such a crucial point. Yep. I think we talked about that in the show about heaven and hell. Oh, we but about it's it. an amazing thought that the Lord is actually governing hell as well as heaven is a functional rule. It doesn't just mean he's good at it. It means that it's all about <laughs> the functions that everybody's performing. Yes. It's, it's a function-based governance. Right. And the Lord's providence intends that there should be no one and nothing there that does not do some service or enable some service to happen, which is pretty amazing when you think about what would be involved in trying to, you know, set the whole thing, rig the whole thing up so that every single thing in it is useful. But you certainly see this in the in the animal kingdom, don't you like the idea of like maggots or I was just hearing something the other day about, you know, some people feel like the grossest thing is to have maggots in a wound. And yet they're finding that actually maggots can clean the wound and, and that you heal faster. Yeah. You know, I'm not recommending it. Who wouldn't I haven't want tried some it, maggots? But I'm just saying there's things that people think is the grossest thing ever yeah. that's actually performing a use. You know, good. so you see that in, in nature, don't you? Well, and the theory would be, which is, you know, difficult to put into practice, that it's not that you couldn't, you can look at things that are bad and say, oh, that doesn't hurt, or that's not sad or tragic. <laughs> right. But that you no. could say, not for a second. I know that somehow in the long run, good is going to come out of this. Which is like, try it on small things, because they're really big things. I don't know if any of it's us are tough. there for that. Yeah, but, it's very tough. But I can see that in the, stuff, in the small things. And sometimes I think people, even looking back, can see it in their lives in yeah. the big things too. Yeah. And then we go from there because that's the governance side, but there's also this what we have to do, like you were mentioning. And so in Divine Providence, which you'd think this would be in some other more theologically minded book like True Christianity or something, yeah, he right. talks about the means of salvation. And this is from 329. Ah, like how, 
what you got to do to get saved kind of thing, how it works? Yeah, how do you, divine providence is trying to banish your love of self, how do you help it along? Yeah, okay. The means of salvation boil down to these two, that we are to abstain from evils because they are against the divine laws and the Ten Commandments, and that we are to acknowledge that God exists. Okay, it doesn't. Huh. Doesn't sound too hard. I mean, I yeah. know that abstain from evils thing is, is tough, but but he's broken it down to just two things, right? Yeah, and you you could guess the first one, but the, it's inter- the second one is interesting. Yeah, we can do th- we can all do this, provided we do not love what is evil. Wow, that's a big statement, isn't it? Yeah, because some people sort of think, oh, well, those those people are hopeless or something yeah. like that. But he's saying no. Absolutely every human being has this capacity. The thing that gets in the way again is that loving. And by loving, he doesn't just mean, oh, yes, I find that sort of titillating sometimes or something yeah. like that. He's talking about you've made it the central thing in your life and you've gotten rid of everything else sure. that stands in the way. You and know, that's, that's when you're really all in. Intending it and either doing right. it or you would do it if you it's could. It's deliberate. Yeah, exactly. The Lord is constantly flowing into our volition with the power to abstain from evils and into our discernment with the power to think that God is real. Wow. So those two things are being beamed yeah. in. Like everybody has access to that. Yeah. Well, you can tap into it. And you can, I, that fluctuation can be very tangible at times. That There are these religious concepts that we're talking about here. There are times when they seem relatively remote and uh, improbable. And there are other times when it just feels like uh, this is as plain as the tree so that I'm true. looking at. Can't yeah, everybody see it. Yeah. However, no one can do one of those things without doing the other as well. That's got to be, I think his name was Emmanuel. You can't do one of these without the other one. <laughs> yeah. Sweden for oh, is that what that's so basic. Yeah, stands for. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the yeah. in Swedish. Yeah. They are united the way the two tablets of the Ten Commandments are united, the one being for the Lord, and the other for us. Oh, who knew? From His tablet, the Lord is enlightening and empowering everyone. This will be the first couple commandments. You should have no other gods. And they're all about. God and stuff, not taking the name in vain. Right. But we accept that power and enlightenment only as we do what is on our tablet. Ah, which is not killing, adultery, steal. Until covet, until we do, who knows more of the commandments, me or you? Until we do that, (laughs) it is as though the two tablets were lying face to face and closed with a seal. But as we do what is on our tablet, they are unsealed and opened. Again, coming back Mm. to this theme of here's what God does, here's what you need to do. I really like that. And what a concrete image he comes down to just with the Ten Commandments and the two tablets and whether they're closed up or open. And that seems to be a key to it. Like, here's all the great stuff that God will do for you. That's what the divine providence is. And all the ways the Lord's taking care of you. There's just some things that we need to do or we're not getting all that that's beaming into us all the time, but we're not receiving it. And how connected our little lives are to the way everything is run, that you have this divine providence, which you could have a different book written from a different perspective saying, divine providence is concerned most with maintaining the state of creation. There must be points and counterpoints and the expansion of the universe, and right? Right, right. But this... the, the, The integrity of chemical, you know... Okay, yeah, you've read it. Covalent bonds. Yeah. And, yeah. But the heart and soul of this, the thing Providence is most concerned with is freeing us from what's most toxic to us and bringing us into the state of heaven. Mm. That, that, that's why everything else runs the way it does. Right. And the, uh, the, the chemicals and everything else is just to serve, it's just the backdrop against yeah. which this 
human drama happens. No offense to the chemicals no, and fans right. of the They're chemicals. Wonderful. They are wonderful. very, very uh, good at what they do, for yes, sure. Okay, so I want to finish this up by asking, how does this book help? Why are we publishing it? Why are we promoting it? What do you think this, these concepts in here can do for individuals and for the world? I guess I would say there are two things in a way because one is sort of explaining the ways of God. Like yeah. it really does break it down almost like the laws of gravity or physics or yeah. something to say, hey, there are certain laws. You know, the Lord's not going to break that law. That yes. He is that law. You know, so everything has to be according, freedom according to rationality or, or whatever. And, hey, check uh, out, sorry to interrupt, but I just thought of like, check out our show. We did a show called The Seven Laws of Divine Providence. Oh, that's right. We did. Where we actually, which we're not doing in this episode, but going through the different laws of divine providence and, you know, doing exactly what we're doing here, rambling about each of them. So <laughs> search that one after this if you're check intrigued. Yeah. And the other side is, as we've been talking about, here's what we need to do and why yeah. it, like the 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 work called life that we talked about before uh in a previous show about the four sets of teachings um that has information about here's how to repent here's how yeah. to change your heart kind of thing but divine providence really gets into oh do you want to see behind the scenes why it works that way here's what god is doing yeah. here's you here's how it all works you know yeah and, and uh so i and who else has ever, there's this thing in philosophy called the problem of evil, which is basically like, well, if God is good, why is there evil? Either God's not powerful, or he's not really good, or something's yeah. gone horribly wrong. And or I you're trying to sell is, me something. To yeah. me, it's the best ever answer to the problem of evil. Uh, yeah. So I think it's important to keep it in print. Might as well. And I would say I that so. if we're using, describing extremes, the best ever, I'd say that there's got to be close to the best experience that can be given to human beings is thinking about the life we're in now and all the fear and anxiety and despair that can come with it to, to in that the, those dark places suddenly have this occur to you that nope I was taking care of things the whole time the stuff that you think is insurmountable right. and terrorizing I've got it under control it's all going to be okay mm. when you thought it's not it's like the feeling of waking up from a nightmare and oh it was nothing that is an I've had little bits of that and I think it's from this book and the ideas in there yeah and we want I want to give that to people that's like the best present you can give so let's yeah. give it all right speaking of presents could you give us a present ask some questions that we can have some time to answer. How would you think about divine providence so far? What do you think about everything else? We're going to get to it in this section right now. We're doing two things right now. Oh, there's one thing we're doing, which is you're asking us questions in the chat that we are going to answer here. But you're also, don't forget, you're giving us elevator pitch topics. So elevator... Now, what's, the, what's the elevator pitch thing again? I don't know. The elevator pitch is where you give us a, a little, like, what's an area of Swedenborg? Divine Providence could be oh, an be area of Swedenborg. Right. We're already warmed up on that one. Give us an, <laughs> a Swedenborgian concept, right, that you want to see right. us try to explain in a minute or less, explain not just what it is, but why it's important. So... E get either ask us a question or get us a topic for our elevator pitch, which comes next. But we need you to enter those now so we can have enough for that section. First question. Let's see what it is. Steve Casey asks, did Swedenborg ever say how long it would take for his teachings to be globally known? 
I'm sure within my lifetime, this community will spread tenfold. I love it. I love the oh, optimism. That's awesome. And you could, it was not a bad time for Swedenborgian optimism because let me tell you something, until this amazing thing started happening on YouTube, we were having some real, real slow going. And it's been that way for, for a while. That's right. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, well, there's sort of two answers that come to mind. One is that the, um, I was just reading this letter that someone wrote uh, from Swedenborg's time period who had a whole conversation with Swedenborg. Yeah. And talked to him, actually got the chance to go around to his house, which I'm jealous, yeah. and got to ask him, hey, tell me more about your teaching, what's going on? Yeah. This was the royal librarian at the time, uh, Christopher, Carl Christopher Gearwell. And he, um, he says, Swedenborg says this and that and the other thing and the other thing. He has this whole list of things that he says, and then he says, but he doesn't know the future. And it was just an interesting yeah. little kind of tidbit yep. that he throws in there that I think he must have asked him, so, like, you know, yeah, what's what, going to happen? What's, what's happening next or something like that? I don't know. And divine providence does get into the future, doesn't it? Like one of the things has to do with the future and oh. whether we're allowed to know it yes. or not and how that whole thing works. I think one of those laws has to do with that. Yeah. Um, the other answer is that I think it's in his work on marriage, marriage love, toward the end there. You remember this story, don't you, where the... Um, where he's telling all these angels about the books that have been published in the world. And they're all excited and they're high-fiving. They look at him and he looks depressed. They yeah. say, well, why are you depressed? And he says, oh, because this isn't received at all. Yeah. And then the angels are like, no, come on. And then they try this experiment and they lower it down. And sure enough, it's not being received. Yeah. And then they all get depressed and yeah. they ask how long, which is the question right here. Yeah. And what they hear is for a time, times, and half a time which is a biblical phrase meaning one plus times is two, yeah. three and a half, you know. Made but famous in the book of Revelation. He doesn't put a year on it or whatever, yeah. but I do agree with the person writing the question that I think we're in an interesting season right now where this is really kind of catching fire. And uh, yeah. I, I'm very excited about it because it's it's overdue. You know, it's, yeah. I think the world is ready for this. I have no. Oh yeah, this is something that I would I would like to know almost more than anything. Is what is the trajectory of the these books in particular and direct extrapolations from those? Because I could see a world in which certainly you could have a community of people doing what we're doing at a much larger scale, hundredfold, a thousandfold. How? Possibly even doing a better job, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, I think so. I think that that is, Sweden, even Swedenborg would have known that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I don't know is, do, the, do these books themselves become world famous? Or is it they, they were describing something that is going to pop up through a lot of other things? I see. You know, is, different is it, sort of spiritual technologies or yeah. something that they're taking different forms. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm pulling for the Swedenborg books because I just think that the, the way they're organized, the way they state things is yeah. so valuable. But hopefully at least we're going to be able to, Swedenborgian thought, whatever it ends up being called, hopefully it gets a better name than that. Uh, it's going to be a good global citizen and there's going to be a lot of people finding potent stuff. I don't think you can build a better system of ethics and a better way to tie life together than with anything that exists on earth uh, that can challenge what, what Swedenborg can mm. give you as a scaffold. You'd fill it in with other stuff. The answer is I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. But, and I just, seriously, one reason that I, I gave up a number of other fun things that I was doing in order to do these translations is because I really feel like 
getting those texts as readable as possible, yeah. whether we succeeded or not, but just like trying with everything we've got for the sake of all those people, the potential readers and everything, yeah. uh, seemed to me like the pearl of great price. You yeah, know? right, right. Well, the only way it's going to happen is if you like and subscribe. Just kidding, you don't have to put that graphic <laughs> up. Well, I'm, I'm kidding, but not kidding. Okay, let's. Let, thanks so much for the question. Great question. And, and we'll let's check you. back in in ten years and see what yeah. happened. All right, this is the next one. MTP358 asks, why do some NDEs envision a fiery hell and others do not? Because some of the experiences mm. are very much centered around that hell experience. I'm thinking of Howard Storm in particular, that it was essential right. for him to experience this negative dark side. Before, I don't know if there was fire in his or, or not, but there was certainly wickedness of all kinds, which then... Yeah, abuse. Yeah, just like... Sets the scene for what he learned in the positive part. But why do you think, with Swedenborg describing that there's a huge heaven and a huge hell, you can't miss them, What's going on with these modern near-death experiences? It's really, it is, it is a, a share the question that, that uh, why would it be that some people get the... Um, <laughs> We're going to go 0 for 2 here. Yes, right. <laughs> we didn't know the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why, why do some people uh, get a, just a purely positive, glorious... Yeah. It's got to be in Providence somewhere, but that might be sort of a cop-out In divine answer. Providence. But I think that um, Howard Storm's situation... He really seemed to benefit from it. I definitely believe that the Lord doesn't allow anything to happen uh, without some usefulness coming out of yeah. it. And in Howard Storm's case that you raised before, if I'm remembering the story right, he really learned that even just saying simple phrases from the Bible or from Sunday school, or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever, Pledge of Allegiance, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, he, that had an effect on those evil forces. And he sort of learned how to... Or I'm thinking about Evan Alexander's situation where he was kind of underground. Yeah. It, I don't know if you'd call it a hell, but it was kind of a dark situation. But then he found that he was able to travel to figure out how to move and stuff like that. So I think there's got to be some lesson. Yeah. Because otherwise it's kind of explicable why some people just have this glorious, oh, I went to the other world. Yeah. Oh, so did I. Oh, I had a wonderful thing. Oh, I guess yeah. <laughs> mine wasn't as so good. So I've gotten a chance to... And I don't think it just means, oh, you're just... A bad per, you know, like you're a bad person, so you got a bad experience. Right. I'm a good person, so I got a good experience. No offense, I, I've gotten to hang out with Howard Storm a couple of times. I mean, we interviewed mm -hmm. him on this channel, but also I was speaking at a conference where he was. Oh, and nice. I have dinner with him, and you know, uh, you know, and and talk. And first of all, I think that he's, you know, what he brought out of experience was total joy. That he just he doesn't at all feel like I got ripped off. But second of all, you, oh, you he, talk he about seems so divine heavenly state to me. Divine yeah. providence banishing our love of self. He writes about it openly in his book. He talks about it. He was a, he was very much a jerk before his experience. Mm. That he was very self-centered. He talks about it, and that that banishing that love of self, that his his negative experience had that effect. That mm. that it was part of him losing this giant ego that he mm. had. So. I think it's the same question that you know is touched on in divine providence. That question is the same question as why do some people have seem to have much more tragedy in their life than others? Why do pe certain people get spared their most horrific experiences while others do not? Again, it's a very difficult question, but I think it's the same one. Yeah, and and you're suddenly making me think about the fact that uh, Swedenborg says that really. There are even stories he tells. Some of the best information he got was from from hell. 
like from studying hell? Like the clarity. Yeah. Like, oh, I see. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. There are some times where he even tells stories of where uh, he goes to these angels and they say, well, think about this, and then th you go to the next level, and then the next level. When you finally get to the evil spirits, it becomes clear. Yeah. They're the best teachers sometimes, you know, yeah. in an interesting way, just by contrast. Not that and they're so, telling him principles, but that in observing the dysfunction they're in, he gets clear about you life. You really get to get clear. Yeah, that's right. And so, I, you know, who knows why all those people go through those kind of experiences sometimes, but, but uh, I think there must be some benefit like that. Great question. Okay, let's see if we can go 0 for 3. Here's the third one. <laughs> Jeffrey Belknap asks, which other contemporary religious or spiritual movements align most closely with Swedenborg's cosmology? Okay, we can do this. So, right. what, and I'm, we're talking about contemporary as in now, rather than contemporary to his time. Right. And I'm going to, I assume. Yeah. I'm going to, I am no scholar of religions. Like, I found Swedenborg, I've, you know, I've dabbled in a lot of other things, but, but I found Swedenborg, I dove into it, so I couldn't speak on any of these traditions as a, a, an authority on the subject. I will say we get a lot of people talking about Baha'i and saying that there is quite a lot of similarity between Swedenborg's teachings and that, and then I'm just going to cherry pick the easy ones. Yeah. Um, Mormonism? That there, and I don't, again, I don't know a lot of what's in it, but a lot of people have wondered if Joseph Smith had some kind of inspiration from Swedenborg's works because there are there's obviously some things that are very different, but some of the principles in there align quite closely. Uh, some of the other things about life after death and anything like that. So. Yeah, that, that's good. And I think there are even some kind of mystical traditions uh, within Islam that yeah. are relatively close because the, the one God kind of thing and then yeah. the idea of the, the afterlife. And, we um, were visited by, by a you know, a, a Muslim scholar who was talking about the similarities that he saw yeah, it between... Was, it was fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really interesting. And uh, also, I've talked to someone from the, um, what's called the Orthodox, it's like Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox uh -huh. kind of thing, uh, that there are some affinities there as well. There's some things sort of click yeah. well uh, with those um, traditions. Plus, I think anything that's about like the, the usefulness or love or those kind of things, you know what I yeah. mean? The, which is just universal, you mm. know, every tradition has something about that in it. What about, uh, you know, Buddha of the North? You had Didi Suzuki yeah. saying that there, and, and that when you, you know, get down to the kind of practice you would be doing, there, a lot of people say there is an East-West crossover in Swedenborg that he actually has more in common with, let's say, the Eightfold Path than Lutheranism in his day. Yes, yeah, that's right. And I look forward to the day, we were talking about the, f the future and, and this growing, yeah. where you get more and more, not that there are none now, but there's so much work to be done. It would be really cool to have things that would say, well, here are the affinities yeah. with this tradition. Here are the affinities with this yeah. tradition. You know, Because I think there are a lot of points of similarity. And uh, the audience to this show is an amazing fountain of this kind of information for us. That's right. Where people, you know, you tell us that, that, that hey, this aligns with my, my faith, you know, yeah. I'm Chinese, this is how this fits in, yeah. or I'm from here, or this tradition, or whatever, yeah. and I, I see the similarity. Because how, how are we going to know? We're just two guys. We, we don't, don't know, know anything. You, unless you tell us. I'm no expert. So, it seems, I, and I, oh, but I almost want to say, like, the stuff that to me, the really confirms Swedenborg or aligns with it is 
stuff outside of the religious spiritual world. I'm talking about like nature. Yes. And that when you start to understand correspondences, when you look out at nature, it starts to hit you like this is the same thing. This is just yeah, what he's talking this about. This is what's going on. Right. When you like this in the study of like cellular biology, psychology, a lot of stuff in there, even though, you know, Western psychology does not want does not acknowledge the existence of a spiritual dimension or its interference. Still, the way they l categorize things in the mind fit right into Swedenborg. He just has this this step back of where those Extra came from. On to it. me, yeah. those are those are some of the most intriguing connections. And part of what's just a sort of a meta comment, part of what's amazing about Swedenborg to me is to see how well his works fit with a variety of traditions. Yeah. It's not really just, oh, this is only one, this is a spice that you can only use in this particular yeah. dish. It's like, it kind of goes with a lot of different things. Okay, so you said how, what, which contemporary traditions is Swedenborg most closely aligned with? And we said, well, like all of them. So it's up to you to decide, did we go 0 for 3 or was it 1 for 3? <laughs> Thanks, that was fun. Thank you guys. And now it's on to the elevator pitch. This is the part of the show where you go to know what it looks like to have people try and fail to explain Swedenborg stuff. The reason we would put ourselves... <laughs> As if that wasn't a demonstration of what we just... <laughs> yeah, offered, right, but, you, you know. got your fill of it <laughs> in the last half an hour. Yes, right. Uh, so the reason why something like this is useful, we're talking about everything having a use, is if these concepts <laughs> that we're wading through here are actually real, you should be able to explain them in a concise almost re reflexive way yeah and right. there on the other side of it are you upping the pressure you you uh shoot i haven't left us any escape route here also there may be situations where any of you one of us is faced with the prospect the daunting prospect of somebody asking you about a swedenborg thing and you're trying to explain it so here we're envisioning yeah. a scenario in which we both stepped onto an elevator and uh, we'll begin with Dr. Jonathan Rose sitting there, and I ask him some question, which will be uh, uh, on a topic you've just supplied. He and hasn't seen yet. We haven't yep. seen it. And we he has 60 seconds to tell me what, explain that concept to me, and right. tell me why it's useful. So, our very first one is going elevator to be... Oh, wait. Pitch. This is a segment we call okay. Elevator Pitch. And now our I'm very ready. first one is going to be... Ooh. The lower earth. So let's say, okay, we just both got on the uh, elevator, doors close, and great. I say, hey, are you Dr. Jonathan Rose? Mm. Um, could you tell me a little bit about the lower earth? In the Bible, there are certain passages that talk about the pit, being down in the pit. And even people psychologically say, I've been in the pit or I'm in the pit, so things like that. Swedenborg describes an area that's close to hell in his map of the spiritual world. You got hell, you got heaven, you got this world of spirits in between. But there's this part that dips down into hell, but is connected to heaven. And when I read about this, I always thought, oh, this is so weird. What, what is he talking about? And then I realized, I think this is where I've spent most of my life. I think I've got my initials scratched on the wall of this place. Because it's a place where you're affected by falsity, but you don't realize it. And you're trying to connect with the Lord. And who doesn't have sort of false beliefs that kind of kept, keep you tied down? Certain ways of looking at yourself, looking at other people, relationships, or whatever. And the beauty is that the pit is a place that you get out from. You get lifted up, as the Bible says, your feet come out of the mud and get set on the solid rock.
Very nice. I'm thinking about the third person on the elevator who's like, what are they talking about? <laughs> that was awesome. That was a concise, powerful summary of that. And if you guys want to see a whole show about that, mm. um, I don't know if I can remember the title. Is the meaning of the book of Revelation, The Souls Under the Altar. Oh, oh, okay. Right, That's right, where, right. But, but you're not going to get anything as pithy and flashy as that. <laughs> but we will go further into you know, expanding on what you just said. And you know what? I'm convinced... I'll go off with you on your floor so we can Good. continue this conversation. That was right. perfect. Okay, now let's see what, uh, what else you got. I'm going to try to do the very same thing, only this time he's asking me a question. So let's begin our countdown. Okay, the white horse. White horse, yeah. all right. Okay. Mm. You think about the symbolism of a horse and how it sticks around. We still talk about someone riding in on a white horse and saving the day, mm. even though a horse sucks compared to a car. It's very slow. Yeah. It can't get you around. But why does that stay almost as this archetypal symbol of freedom? You think about the person riding on the horse. It's rearing up as something. There's something deeper that it's telling you. Well, the horse, which allows a person to get where they need to go and was a huge uh, advantage you know, in, in the, in the pre-automobile world that, that made it so you could get to where you needed to be, is a symbol for how you understand life. This is how you get around. You think about hmm. what you believe is true. This is what gets you to navigate your relationships. This is what gets you to navigate the problems and challenges that come. This is what you ride on to get where you need to go. So what's the white horse? The white horse is the true understanding. This is how you go and ride above all the falsity, conquer it, and get to heaven. So that's the white horse. Is that where the white horse actually is? Okay. <laughs> you were very convinced. <laughs> Good. Okay. So those those are a couple, and, and there's always expansive. Like the white horse is also a book that's by Swedenborg, you know, which you yeah. can go in. And there's there are particular in Revelation, but but in the elevator. No, you don't have in. time for all that. That's right. <laughs> Good. Go all right. Forward. Hey, thanks, everybody. Much, yeah, real much appreciated. Thank, Thank you, you for uh, making us brush up on our Swedenborg scholarship. And what we're going to do now is stop hearing from us and hear a little bit from all of you mm. because it's now time to, to get the ice melter going. All right. So we had our most challenging icebreaker question. So Ooh, let's see, what did everybody intense. have to say about it? And that question was, what is an evil love that you have chosen to project in your life? So this is what the people had to say. Smoking. Hey, mm. that, and, and super tough to kick. Alcohol. Yeah. Okay, Look so right away we got smoking, alcohol, smoking, smoking. Look and at that. So that, and, and we're going to go take a tour of the different levels, you know, of, of the body and mind yeah, here. Because right, right after that, negative thinking. Mm. Right? That's something that, that was ruining my life in, in, in the interior. Man, that's good. I like that one. Putting myself second as much as possible and others first. It's hard not to put yourself first in your life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Gossiping, mm -hmm. WM. Attachment to my own lack of forgiveness. Resentment is an addiction, right? The, the nursing Lack of forgiveness. Yeah. yeah, wow. I am a recovering alcoholic. Alcohol can truly be mm, evil. That's right. Telling tall tales. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Infidelity. I've, I've done that. Right. Time or two. Yeah. Infidelity, something strong in my line of spiritual heredity. Mm. I'm trying to reject the temptation to negatively judge people, right? right? 
This, is, this stuff is great so far. I would have to say judgment. I'm diligently trying to alter the ego to have less of it. So far, so good. Didn't realize it was such a struggle, but it is. Thank God for this show. Thank you. Mm. I'd like to reject my computer, but do daily battle with negative thinking. My place is to love and be accepting of others as themselves. I'll leave the neg- negativity to denizens of the lower realms. Nice. The evil love of my life has always been anger. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Now I choose to be more patient with the things that try to trigger it. I connect with my better angels instead. Awesome. Yeah, I like that way of putting yeah. it, that they're sort of your go-to place. I do my best to reject the continual negative and seductive influences to spiritually judge others or presume I know what they should or should not do. It's good judging coming up quite a bit mm. here. I've chosen to reject agreeing with others who have no compassion for others. Oh, it's like going along yeah, with it. Yeah, right, right, right. Going along with a crowd to do evil or something. Breaking confidence with it's better for stuff to be in the open so I'm not so evil excuse. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. That's tricky, isn't right, it? Right, right. I'm dealing with racism, unforgiveness, attributing good to myself. That's three right there. Mm. And thanks everybody for your honesty in this. Yeah, it's really like if you realize other people are struggling with stuff, then it just, it just changes mm. the way you see the human race. After str- spending so many years in the military and flying professionally, I choose to be more accepting, respectful, and loving to my loved ones and colleagues. Nice, and that's a choice. Yeah. That's really great. Every day I try to pay attention to every and anything that may seem hellish, then pray and rebuke it. In recognition of the multiple influences, as soon as I recognize their workings, I simply choose not to entertain them, declining their persistent invites, thus rejection. Yes, I think that's a very, yeah, that's great. Violence. I'd like to say hatred and anger, but those will arise unbidden. I can avoid acting on them, though. So violence. violence. I like that. Yeah, yeah that, that's I, very good. Maybe I can't stop, you know, police how I feel, but I can police what I do. They say that anger can rise in yourself faster than you can realize you have it. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like, right. how can you, yep. if you don't even, you know, but then what's your next move? Yeah, how, yeah. how does that manifest? So over? thank you so much, everybody, for being willing to talk about That's what's going really on with great. you and reminding us, yeah, that, that this is something that really we think it's all of us against each other, but it's actually all of us against the negativity in yeah, ourselves. And everybody's right. like trying to fight that same fight. So and thank you. And these head bullies who are yeah. trying to get it started, you know, yeah, trying right. to get you angry or that's right. judgmental or and whatever. And if you're watching this after the fact, feel free to write yours in the comments. Why not start a discussion about if we're learning all this spiritually kind of stuff, what good is it going to do for the human race? Well, the main good is going to be giving us the leverage to push this stuff out of our life, right? That's right. Okay, that's our show. That's our show. Thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of it. If this wasn't enough, if this wasn't way too much, we have more programming. We have our show, News from Heaven, which is now on Thursdays and Saturdays. Ooh, so every nice. Thursday, every Saturday, you get a 20-minute boost right out of Swedenborg's writings. That's a fun show. Yeah, we're, we're going to try to figure out life in the mind by, by picking apart this stuff. And if you've enjoyed that show, this show, anything, don't forget, we said it 45 times this episode, <laughs> like and subscribe, <laughs> click the bell. That's really good. And next Monday... Oh, before we talk about next Monday, hey, did you ever wonder how something like this can subsist and persist oh, on the yeah, internet? Oh, yeah, I do wonder. What, how, it's, how does it work? Yeah. 
I don't know. Where, where do the checks come from? <laughs> well, we're a nonprofit. You may notice we don't charge you for this show. We don't put ads on this show. <laughs> we, we give the books away for free as much as we possibly can or print them at cost. So one way you can support us in doing this is join us on Patreon. That is a way you can give a modest monthly contribution and yet know that you're a part of us being able to do what we do. We give you some thank yous and extra behind the scenes stuff. Also give you some personalized question answering in there. We and really thrill with the support that we yeah. get. Through those and other other means, other, other donations means. And everybody so who's really awesome. Everybody who's donated to us, thank you so much. And you're what make it all work. And here's what your your donations are going to do next week. We're going to talk about the me Swedenborg's extensive work on the meaning of the Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. All right, here Which, we go. Yeah, there's some intrigue the here because there's a whole bunch of books on it. He never published. And then some he did, and what, why, and where, and, yeah. and, and how can, well, hey, we just got a preview of it. Somebody's asking me in an elevator, which put me in an uncomfortable position of, what's the white horse all about? Well, that kind of stuff, this like, and yours was about it too, Lower Earth. Both of those questions. Our Book of Revelation questions. Book of way, Revelation questions. Yeah. So next week, we're going to spend the week unpacking how this strange piece of text actually is about our lives. And it's going to give you tools to get over that stuff you were just talking about, all that hard stuff, even the book of Revelation. We'll show you how next week. Thanks so much for hanging out. That was a lot That's of fun. That's so fun, Curtis. See you all then. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner.